0: Mm.
1: Side. He's got Max Danball picked off, he's around Chase with Jared Horstman up to third down the back straight away. And Rich France.
2: The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit. And uh, replace the tire and get back out. Michigan
0: Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler, he's going what the Hill Racing 47 This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is
3: three-time Dirt Car UMP National Champion Rusty Schlink.
1: And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings on a beautiful Monday evening, as the racing season—dare I say it? dare I say it, is winding down here in the state of Michigan. Every track I went to this weekend was promoting their season championship night coming up in a couple of weeks so sad times ahead but still a lot to talk about here tonight on another episode of course power happenings motor city minute dominated by mother nature because well she had control of the weekend this weekend so let's talk about some things happening in other parts of the, of the country nascar xfinity series and cup series kyle larson show he pulled off the weekend sweep and uh, I tell you what, ruffled some feathers in the process. I've never seen a more passive aggressive Chase Elliott in my life. And uh, looking forward to that in the coming weeks. Topless 100 was on tap at Batesville Speedway on Saturday. The Lucas Oil Late Model third Series. Jonathan Davenport led wire to wire, picking up a huge $50,000 payday. That is three, count them, three crown jewels for the Superman in 2022. And how about Corey Heim making a rare super late model start Saturday for Donnie Wilson Motorsports. Racing America put out a thing that said, death taxes Donnie Wilson Motorsports. And Corey retweeted it and said no pressure. And well, there was no pressure because he went down to the Georgia Summer Nationals at Crisp Motorsports Park and put on a clinic with the Southern Super Series, collecting a $10,000 payday Hunter Robbins and Stephen Nassie completed the podium. Those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. He's Rich France. Joining me from across the way, good evening, sir.
2: Why couldn't we get Mother Nature involved when I'm not going to be around for a week? I you know, know. I know. You got vacation I, think this, coming I think this was the first weekend I have not been at a racetrack. Shame on me. But I didn't have a whole lot of choice with the way the weather was bouncing around with those storms on Friday. And then we got rained out on, we got canceled early on Saturday. Um, And I saw the storms coming and I, you know, we even had the conversation here. I, man, do I, do I want to run out to Butler and hang out with my buddy, but I couldn't do it. I just saw the rain coming. Yeah. And you got and you guys never got it.
1: Never got a drop. They got rain right before the gates opened and uh, set it up for a beautiful show. Uh, We'll we'll talk about that coming up later on. But uh, Rich, uh, talking about other places that were running on dirt, you kind of are leading things off with this. Holy smokes in the Arca series on Sunday.
2: Wow. Did you see that video? Yes, I did. Of what happened coming out of turn four to the white flag? Man. Man. Jesse Love and Buddy. Let me just set this up for anybody that Jesse Love, Buddy Kofoid battling for the lead. By the way, a great race. Great race. Yeah. And usually, you know, in the Arca Menard series on dirt, it's kind of spread out. Right. Right. Um, So they're battling out of turn number four coming to the white flag. So Kofoid's in the dust behind him and you see you see jesse love kind of pull down just a little bit right so kofoid goes to the outside little does he know there is a lap car almost i don't know how slow he was going but he could have been going very fast yeah and he just packed him yep and flipped him over and it it looked like a dangerous accident i mean he he took the rear clip of that car and shoved it all the way inside the car and, uh, buddy Kofoid's front end didn't look like that, like it would look that much better either, Yeah, but it, but it sure was a scary accident and man, I have never seen that in dirt racing. You, you know, I would think, man, buddy Kofoid, he, 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 for as much as he runs modifieds and, or, uh, you know, midgets and sprint cars, he's used to running the dirt. But, man, he never saw that guy, never saw him sitting there.
1: So, Bryce uh, Bryce Hogberg, to give a little bit more clarity, is a lap car, a backmarker. He's trying to run out of the way, and and there has been enough moisture. I've seen this at other racetracks, Rich. The, the dirt and the mud had pushed up against the guardrail, and trying to leave room for the leaders, he got sucked in, kind of like the slush on the side of the roads in Michigan during the winter. You can get sucked into that. And it pulled him into the front stretch wall and he's kind of bouncing in off and, you know, off in the wall trying to get off in it and just got absolutely hammered, as you said, by Kofoid. Rich, here's what I'm going to say, because you asked the question. Buddy Kofoid runs dirt all the time. He's a USAC national midget champion. How does this happen? I'm going to tell you right now how it happens. And I've been saying this since 2013 when NASCAR decided to put the trucks back on the dirt, take the damn windshields out of these race cars because they get so dusty inside and out that the drivers can't see what the hell's going on, and that's when you get accidents like this, Rich, that people are going to get hurt from, and they're bringing the Cup Series to Bristol on dirt for the last two years, and drivers are complaining about the same thing that they can't see. Well, 90% of that is because they got those plexiglass windshields and the tear-offs and all that garbage that just accumulates dust and dirt, and it's, it's causing issues, and I think that if NASCAR which is now ARCA under that umbrella, is going to continue to race on dirt tracks. They really need to come up with a safe way, which dirt track racing has been doing this for a lot of years, so talk to someone, a safe way to get the windshields out, also protect the driver with screen and bars and whatever they got to do. But, Rich, it's time. If we're going to keep messing around on dirt with these NASCARs and ARCA cars, the windshield's got to go so that these drivers can see what they're doing.
2: And I got to believe, Zach, with what you're telling me. I um, mean, you're sitting in a, a car with a windshield and you got tear offs on your helmet. They don't do a bit of good. That's right. Because you're only clearing what's right in front of you, not what's two more feet in front of you. Yeah. So
1: I don't know. I've been preaching, I've been barking up that tree since 2013, since the Mud Summer Classic with the, you know, Camping World Truck Series. No executive from NASCAR has reached out to me to tell me what a great idea that was. <laughs> I'm not expecting that anytime soon, but uh, I'm telling you, I think that accident maybe is avoided if if there's no windshield. I don't know for sure. I haven't heard Buddy say that he couldn't see him, but like you said, there's a cloud of dust, and they were on a long green flag run. I mean, you can only imagine, and uh, so I don't know. That's my two cents worth.
2: Well, let's, let's go to the dirt where a gentleman did not have a problem seeing. Sharon Speedway hosted the battle at the border on Saturday night for the final appearance by the World of Outlaws Case Construction Late Models in the 93rd anniversary season of the Sharon Speedway. And it was all Devin Moran. Moran made a three-wide move in lap traffic to overtake Ryan Gustin on lap 11 and led the rest of the way in the 40-lap feature, which was the historic race number 800. In series history, Moran became the 10th different winner in 10 World of Outlaw races run all time at Sharon Speedway. Moran's And it was also Moran's first World of Outlaws win of the season and his first career victory at the Hartford, Ohio Oval as well, picking up a $10,000 payday. Gustin and Shane Clanton would complete the podium. And Zach, next up for the World of Outlaws Case Construction Late Models, the Quad Cities 150 this Thursday through Saturday at Davenport Speedway out in iowa all right
1: let's go to the dirt continuing and uh, cars that belong on the dirt were in action friday and saturday here in a soggy state of michigan uh michigan um and i don't know how we got saturday in but uh, by the grace of god and tim wilber's bravery we were able to do it but first friday night i96 speedway big night of racing 360 sprint cars in action alongside The Great Lakes Traditional Sprints, Lightning Sprints, IMC Modifieds, and, of course, the Great Lakes Super Sprints. The headliner, Jared Horseman, starts the night off with qualifying and quick time at a 14-triple-one ahead of Max Stambaugh, Dustin Daggett, Grassman, and Tyler Rankin. Then we have enough cars to run a B-Main. Top five go to the show. Everybody else goes home. And Keith Shefford, Jr. picked up the win ahead of Jay Steinebach, Zane DeVault, Luke Griffith, and Frank Neal, the top five cars going to the big dance. Green Flag Waves. Right into turns one and two, Danny Sams the third, nowhere to go, trying to avoid a spinning Bobby Elliott who started up toward the front in that 5E machine. Elliott started in fifth, got turned sideways, kind of on his own, backed it, <clears throat> backed it up the hill in turns one and two. Everybody avoided him except Danny Sams who had nowhere to go, drove right into the side of that race car. It also spelled the end of the night for Jason Blonde as his car got a little beat up and uh, Chase Dunham's car was tore up as well. End of the night for them. Danny Sams, though, goes to the hot pit. They straighten the front wing. They look at torsion bars. They look at axles. They tell Danny, go out there, run this thing, and run it did he. He didn't win the race, Rich, but he was the story of the night. Danny Sams officially started 11th and finished 6th, unofficially came from 18th to finish in 6th after that restart, Uh, and what a drive. He was putting that race car in places race cars didn't belong, Danny Sams, man, keep an eye on this cat. Brad Lamberson, though, he started on the pin and never looked back. What a dominating performance by that 27 machine. Led every rotation around I 96 Speedway. Held off Dustin Daggett, who came from eighth, Max Stambaugh from seventh. Connor Morrell finished fourth from his ninth position, and Phil Grassman rounded out the top five after starting tenth. Lamberson, that's his first win since last year. Saturday night, we go to Butler Motor Speedway. The rains came right about the time the gates opened. One quick shower. Everybody's clean, refreshed, and ready to go, and we did go. 7.30, the green flag flew, and 360 sprint cars with the Great Lakes Super Sprints make their final stop at Butler. 25 big laps. It was Max Stambaugh rolling to the green alongside Greg Dahlman. Dahlman and Stambaugh exchanged a couple of slide jobs, one driver on the top, one driver on the bottom. They were kind of not where they wanted to be. Stambaugh jumped out to the lead, though, and he never looked back. Tyler Rankin, Danny Sams third, Phil Gressman, those three drivers waged war on each other throughout the course of the event. Now, a pretty cool thing with Home Pro Roofing, one lucky fan was really cheering for Danny Sams. $100 to start the show, $200 if Sams got a top five, $300 if he got a top three, and $500 if Danny Sams went to victory lane. And uh, Sams went all the way back to sixth from his fifth starting spot, drove up to second. He ended up falling right in the middle, finishing third, so that lucky fan collected three big bills. Behind Tyler Rankin and Max Stambaugh, who went to victory lane, Phil Grassman in fourth, Dustin Daggett, double D, rounds out the top five, and so, Rich, what does that mean? Well, Stambaugh with his third win in four races, Dustin Daggett with another top five finish. That means headed into the final two races of the season, Labor Day weekend, Max Stambaugh has a 34-point advantage. Over Dustin Daggett with two races to go, um, so it's doable. But Daggett's going to need a little
2: help. It ain't enough, Zach. I'm telling you, Mad Max better stand on it. Yeah. Thirty-four <laughs> points over. Thirty-four points over two races is not a lot to, lot to make up. Uh, just ask Danny Sam's that yeah. right. Yeah. How the free fall he had. Uh, and, and it didn't take too many weeks to do it to fall out of that top spot. So yeah, by the way, uh, Sam's oh, no, this
1: should be exciting. By the way, Sam's third with 91 points. And when we're talking about the uh, Great Lakes Super Sprints points battle, Rich, Labor Day weekend, Friday to Hartford, where uh, Stan Baugh won, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. Saturday, though, the season finale is now a wild card. When the schedule was thrown out earlier this season, it said Crystal Motor Speedway That changed about a month or so ago, Rich. Now we wrap things up at Attica Raceway Park in a combo event. And, um, man, at that point, throw everything out the window and may the best driver win. Because Hartford, you can kind of go into that and say, well, maybe Stamball's the favorite because he's already won there this year. Attica? I'm throwing the notebook out the window on my way down on the turnpike because I have no idea what's going to happen.
2: At a racetrack that the series doesn't run at That's on a right. regular basis. Add that in.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's so a combo event.
2: They're...
1: Well, and it's a combo event with NRA, so you're going to have outsiders there as well. Uh, you know, let's be honest, there are no points provisionals with the Great Lakes Super Sprints. you got to race your way in to what I can only predict is going to be a pretty sizely field down at Attica Raceway Park. So <laughs> I'm telling you what, if you don't have plans on Saturday of Labor Day weekend, head south
2: because it's going to be one heck of a time told you, 34 points, sounds like a lot with two races left, but that's that's the uh, deal breaker right there, Attica Raceway Park. Uh, It could make the biggest difference. We'll have to see. Well,
1: he didn't go to Victory Lane this weekend, Rich, but he went to Victory Lane a couple of weekends ago in a non-sanctioned race, and he set fast time Saturday night at Butler Motor Speedway. Mm -hmm. It's our pleasure to welcome in the driver out of Coldwater, Michigan, Logan Easterday. Welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Hi, right, how you doing? Man, uh, doing good. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And, uh, you know, you've got an interesting story that I want to get into. But 2022, I want to talk about this season for you. It was a rough start with the Great Lakes Super Sprints, kind of still sprinkling <coughs> in some races at home at Butler. And, um, you know, that, that consistent uh, effort that you and your dad put in to uh, show up at the racetrack each and every weekend finally paid off a couple of weekends ago. You get to Victory Lane for the first time in a sprint car comes at butler uh, just tell me what that felt like and kind of what your emotions are here a couple of weeks removed
3: i i tell you what it's still uh it's pretty unbelievable actually we we still talk about it every day sit in the garage i got the check kind of sitting on my toolbox and we kind of talk about it every day it's hard to believe actually coming from you know like you said i i started out in a front wheel drive skip anything and everything and decided to go sprint car racing and Never once did me and my dad ever think we'd be where we're at. And not to mention, we started off the season, like you said, it it was a a rough beginning. We went to Attica the first night, didn't make the show, went to Crystal, didn't make the show there. Um, I think we started running a little better. I think we had a Butler show here, two Butler shows, and then we went down to Wayne County and ran down there. We actually pretty – I think we qualified sixth down there and then uh, ended up ninth in the feature. That was a really good night. That was a fun racetrack, like going down to that place. Uh, hopefully we can go back down there again here next year. Um, but, you know, my, me and my dad, and it's not just me and my dad, my Uncle John, he's on board with us. We we all turn wrenches all week long. It's a family, family effort and not none of it unnoticed by anyone uh, we got a really good group anything I need everything I need these guys take care of and I it, it's nice being able to go to the racetrack and not have to do more work than you already do and Uncle John he turns quite a few of the wrenches my dad takes care of the fuel and pushes the car up you know it, it's it's a family effort and it's very much appreciated and to, to get to this point Still very surreal, you it, know. It, you can kind of uh, hear it.
1: You can kind of hear it when you start to talk about it. That it's still like, man, uh, sprint car winner uh, is is you, Logan Easterday, and and you'd been you'd been closing in on this thing too. And you look at the statistics uh, of your season: nineteen events on my race pass, six top fives, twelve top ten finishes. And when you break this down, May seventh at Butler, fourteenth May fourteenth at Butler, tenth June fourth at Butler, sixth June eleventh, fourth. Uh, Then you go back to 10th on June 18th, then another 4th on June 25th, a 12th on the 2nd, which was a uh, uh, Great Lakes Super Sprint Series weekend, Um, and then go back to July 16th, 2nd place, July 30th, 2nd place, and then August 6th, you finally park it down in Victory Lane, man. You've been closing in on this all summer long and it finally came to fruition. and it was a race you had to work for too uh you know i hate that on our show sometimes we bring people on and they get their first win rich and it was a uh, from the pin you know let every lap had no competition there logan that was not your race man josh turner got out in front of this field he was uh he was he was kind of running away with it well actually that was the week next that you were kind of closing in on him and almost had another win uh but this win for you still you had to work for
3: yeah, no, in uh, we knew that lining up, uh, we got a good draw in the heat race there, uh, I think we finished second in the heat race, and it ended up starting us on the pole, and uh, we had Boston Mead to the outside, and I, I told my dad. That's who it was, I knew the, it wasn't Turner, it,
1: it was still somebody I knew you were going to have to work to get around, it was Boston, that's right.
3: Yep, yep, it was Boston. The week before, uh, I, I started eighth in that race, and kind of was starting to move forward, and I ended up getting to Josh Turner and if I think if I could have had another lap or two I could have reeled him up and tried something but it was uh we were coming that weekend and I like I said I we started the the feature with Boston started on the pole and I I told my dad my uncle John that I knew the racetrack was going to be pretty good for about 10 laps and that off the start I just had to try and file in in second and get to the top as soon as I could and get a rhythm going and we we're going to run 25 laps around the top, whether it was good or bad. That's kind <laughs> of the game plan we went in with. And, and, uh, Boston, obviously he, he got me coming out of two and I filed in and he ran a hell of a race. Uh, we had a caution, I think two laps in, and then we went green for a while and we went back to green. And I, I don't know if I had my field settings a little off here and there, but, I was loading up pretty bad and I was kind of worried about cautions and uh you know a couple cautions there after that I knew I had uh Tyler Rankin he come up beside me at one point and uh kind of showed me his nose and I'm like and I, I got some good guys behind me I just have to try and figure out how to get this thing through the corner because it, it, it like I said it was loading up so hard that it was I was waiting to see one of them drive around me on every single one of the restarts after that. And it was go to one as hard as you could come out and get the three as quick as you could. Cause I, I felt like I was so strong in three that uh, I didn't think anybody could get around me down there. And one and two, I felt like I wasn't where I needed to be, but I was threading the needle on the top too. I was so worried I was going to push it off the top in the entire race and I was glad I, I didn't lead the whole thing because I felt like I would uh, definitely made a mistake in 25 laps leading the whole thing. I got to kind of watch what everybody else was doing for a minute before I made something happen. And after I took the lead, it was run and hide, go as far as I could go and hope for the best. I knew with the last restart, three laps to go, all I had to do is uh, go into one and two and come off. It's kind of an eerie deal. uh not very many people been around sprint cars and know how loud these things are, but you don't hear a whole lot when they're going, but you know, when there's a car near you and every time I'd come off a two on a restart, I just, the sound I could hear disappear. I knew as long as I got off the two and that sound disappeared, it was my race to lose for three laps. I had to run three more perfect ones and it was mine When we crossed the finish line. I instantly teared up. By the time I got down to get the interview, I was so out of breath and my dad was crying. Uncle John was crying. My mom was crying. Everybody was crying. It, a very surreal moment. And it still, it still weighs pretty heavy right now
2: and still very hard to believe. Logan, I have to ask you, um, you know, it, it's pretty tough because a lot of the same guys run at Butler in, the, in that 410 sprint car division. And you bring a 360 there, um, was there – did you have a mindset on that? I mean, was it the track, what you thought was going to happen to where if we can make this these tires last a little bit longer, we'll have something at the end?
3: Yeah, uh, just kind of previous, you know, like you said, start beginning of the season, 14th to 10th to 6th, 5th. You know, I, I've crept my way forward all season. I've had the the chance to run behind a lot of different guys and especially a lot of these 410 guys and i've noticed a lot of them when they try to run the top just a little bit of a, a bump here or there in the cars they kind of just get real unnerved and un, unsettling and i feel like i've got a little more weight with the 360 and if i can just squeeze it in just a little harder a little faster when the car does load it doesn't want to come unbound and it's just the past couple of weeks we've had this thing really hooked up and it it's a pleasure to drive. It's absolutely you know, uh, I uh, messaged you the other day, Zach, and I, I think you had said it was somewhere around uh 90, 97, 98 mile an hour. Yeah, that for, average. Uh,
1: 13. Five. Yeah. Your qualifying time, so you set fast time with the Great Lake super sprints and um man that, that was one of your best lap times i was looking through today that was one of your best lap times of the year that racetrack had a lot of moisture in it a lot of we were we were nearing in on a track record uh matter of fact you were only about a tenth of a second off the great Lakes super sprint series track record on saturday and uh you were telling me we caught up at, on butler on at butler on saturday you said that you guys were back there celebrating that almost like a win
3: yeah i know and uh the that was first time i've uh no I guess last year I want to want to be main but the first time I've ever done a fast qualifier or anything like that with the Great Lake Super Sprint I tried handing Jim the, the TI Performance fast qualifier board and he says no that's yours keep it and when I did it, when he said that me and my dad looked at each other like cool we got another garage ornament you know it
1: that's awesome it just
3: tickles us to death to be where we're at
2: Logan at what point do you now expect this to where it's not, oh, you're excited to be fast qualifier. You're excited to get your first win. Um, When do you guys get in? How long is it going to take you guys to say, we belong here and we can win every single night and it doesn't surprise you anymore?
3: You know, Rich, I I don't think that point ever ever does come around. You know, I had a conversation with a really good guy here, Josh Turner, you know, in my three years of driving a sprint car, Josh has ran me over three times and we've had three very heartfelt conversations afterwards. And he might kill me for saying this right now, but you know, I I look up to Josh quite a bit and we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago and he says, just, you know, the biggest thing about this deal is stay humble because if you don't, it it can come and go in the blink of an eye and you can't ever walk around. Like you're the guy to beat and you just got to be there and be humble. And I feel like I, uh, I do that very well every week. You know, I show up at the racetrack. For me, I could care less if I finish in the top 10, you know, as long as my race car goes into the pe into the trailer in one piece and all the panels are on it and the tires are aired up. That's a win for us. Yeah. These things are the cost of these things is absolutely unreal and tires and fuel and everything's gone up. It's a, uh, very expensive sport to be in and like i said when this comes down to a, a family family affair here my uncle john my dad and me and my aunt Lori, my mom you know we all pitch in it, it is a weekend week out deal and it, to get to this point we've uh, we've had to spend a little money to get here you know new tires every week that's a big deal tires hard to find buckshot he kind of helps me out quite a bit with that
0: and
3: you know as a kid I that's one of the biggest guys I ever looked up to I I knew uh Tim Wilbur before Tim Wilbur was buckshot and the car lot and everything I remember going out to his house four or five years old my dad was working at Walmart distribution center with him and checking out the race cars and very early on uh, I got a, a book sitting right here in the garage. It's from 2003. I, I can vividly remember those days. I, uh, I'm surrounded by, by racing every day. I work for uh, Steve Zabonic, Zabonic Concrete, Adam Zabonik. I, we talk racing pretty much every day on a basis, and it's still a, a big conversation for those guys. And my entire life, that's all I've ever wanted to do. I've surrounded myself with racing families, racing legends, racing guys that uh, definitely, if they're not in the Hall of Fame, should be right. in my
2: books, anyway. Logan, you've run, you've run with GLSS now. You've run the, you know, with the four tens. What's the biggest difference you've noticed um, running the different events? Well, definitely the uh, the the three
3: sixties. I think at Butler little under horsepower a little more weight they uh they hook up a little better the 410s I can definitely hear when they zing the tires and things like that and the the different events the the caliber of, of drivers goes up the the number of cars goes up you know Butler we do get about 20 18 20 cars 22 cars a night Everyone starts the show, no B mains nothing like that. When you run with a JLS, you're going against 30, 34 cars a night, and every single one of those drivers there has a chance at winning. And when you get, you know, I think it was I 96 the last time I was up there. Literally, the top, I think it was 20 cars. There was, I think it was 26, 27 cars there that night. 20 of the cars were all within a half a second of each other. Love and that's the that's hard to get around, especially in uh, in these cars. Where where do you find a half a second at? It's
1: well, and the other thing too. Sounds- yeah, and the other thing, too, that I wanted to make sure we clarify is that, as Rich mentioned, you won this race at Butler with a 360 against an open 410 division, unsanctioned. You know, Butler sprint cars are kind of their own animal. They kind of do what they want. And I, I almost feel like, and, the, you, you know, you you got three years under your belt, so maybe you can speak to this only as much as you can, but Butler's almost the perfect animal for a 360-410 mixed show because you do have the straightaways where the 410s can kind of open up and really make up some difference but man as you talked about getting through those corners so important being able to get those big hoosier racing tires to hook up with the power that you've got and the weight you know some people call an advantage or disadvantage that you have um that's almost the perfect equation for a a guy like you with a 360 to be able to overthrow those four tens
3: yeah it definitely is and and like you said, I, I've watched all season long, been in some heat races against a couple of 360s with me. Uh, I've seen what some of the other 360 guys are doing that, that do run weekly, and I've definitely had a lot of vision of seeing uh, all the 410 guys. And there's Butler's one of those very characteristic tracks, and you don't know if there is going to be a hole there this night or not, and you got to run that racetrack week in and week out. And it is is it it is very well its own animal. And I've said from the beginning all season long, my dad and Uncle John, that if we could get the right night and this thing hooked up just right, I think we had a shot at pulling one off. And we sure
1: did. Now, I'm going to ask you a question that back in 2019, um, 2019, I'm sorry, 2018 leading into uh, 2019, well... Let me get this timeline right for you. 2019 offseason leading into 2020, there it is, right? Um, you make a decision that everybody in Branch County, everybody in, in, in Butlerville, everybody in the racing industry kind of looked at this that was paying attention and went, what in the world is this kid doing going from front wheel drive right to sprint car racing and, uh, Logan, I'm going to ask you point blank because I was one of those people who thought, great, you know, great win, great success in front-wheel drives, um, you know, had, had lots of feature wins. You had a couple championships too, I believe. Um, and, Logan, then you make this decision to make this big step. And so I'm going to ask you what a lot of people said three years ago. What in the hell were you thinking?
3: You know, it. Uh, we, we kind of went into that season there, uh, 2020, like you said yeah we uh we had two championships that year we actually won um a Kokomo track championship and the Butler track championship in the same year uh that season alone we won 14 races we ran 42 nights and I believe we were only outside of the top five four or five times that year it, pretty much every time we were at the racetrack we were in the top five and had a shot at winning um Uh, that that year we went into it we ended up selling our trailer selling everything we had I think I had four cars sitting here race ready we sold everything and my dad and I kind of sat down one day and he said well what do you want to do well I mean if if I'm going to do it whatever we do decide to do here I'm going to be uh in it for the long run so whether it was a street stock modified sprint car late model whatever we were going to do that's where we were going to be at and he said, uh, "Well, what about a sprint car? Oh, I was, we're gonna do it, now's the time to do it." I'm at that time, I'd have been 22, 23 years old, so I was still young enough and dumb enough to do it. And you learn that, and eventually, hopefully, it never goes away. And, we just kind of made that decision and the, the funny story uh actually is we told my mom we were uh leaving to go get a street stock and when we pulled in <laughs> and it was a sprint car, she was uh not happy about it oh no so,
1: Now, Logan, the natural progression from front-wheel drive is not necessarily right to the top of the ladder with a sprint car, uh, especially when you're looking at where you came from with Butler. Uh, You know, we we appreciate all race car drivers and what they do for our sport, but let's be honest, there is kind of a pecking order and a tier. Front-wheel drives typically run at the end of the night. Sprint cars usually somewhere toward the top. They're kind of the premier division. Let's be honest about it. You don't normally go from one end of the barrel to the other in a matter of three months, why were you guys so i don't know if confidence even the right word but why did you guys take that huge swing to go right to the top of the ladder i mean we're talking about going from front wheel drive vehicles to rear wheel drive vehicles horsepower aerodynamics i mean alcohol fuel just so much different uh and so much to learn in such a big swing why did you guys just bite it all off in one in one bite
3: well you know uh like i said i work for uh the bond of concrete and those guys over there uh adam's one of the biggest guys i ever looked up to when i was a kid i always wanted to be like adam drive a sprint car and i always wanted a blue sprint car i had a blue sprint car for a while now i got this crazy pink thing going on that absolutely everybody likes to love so uh we just i i don't know i don't know if it was a confidence thing or what it really was my dad's always told me i was better on four wheels than two we raced dirt bikes when i was a little kid and Uh, we just, uh, I've been around it and I've always, always said that that's where I kind of wanted to go one day if I ever had the chance to do it. And we made the jump and I had a lot of people were, yeah, I've had a lot of doubters. (laughs) I've had a lot of people tell me it was definitely a a wrong move. And I I feel like I, I'm close. I, I don't feel like I'm there and I don't ever feel like I will be there, uh, I guess, to me, that's kind of humbling, um, but it is—it is very unreal to be where we're at and to prove everybody wrong, I
2: guess, in a way. Logan, let me tell you something. Um, my partner over here—don't listen to a word he says. Hey, now, all right? when you <laughs> when you put up those kind of numbers between two racetracks, a couple of championships. You can drive whatever you want to drive because obviously you can you, you know how to hold a steering wheel. Obviously, there's adjustments you have to make along the way. You know, I you know, as everybody knows, I I raced for 25 years, and I didn't race the same car all the time. But it, it doesn't matter if you can handle a race car and you know what you're doing behind a steering wheel. You can drive anything. I think I think you made the right choice.
3: I think we did too. And at this point, I don't think I'd ever like to drive anything else. Uh, my buddy, Jake and Caleb, they got their street stocks there. And Jake hopped in my sprint car and turned some laps. I hopped in his street stock, turned a couple of laps. And I got out and said, you can keep it. Cause it, it just <laughs> didn't feel right. I'm sure I could probably learn it with time, but this, the sprint car, it's so, like you said, the transition from a front wheel drive to a to a sprint car, it was, Throw everything you ever knew out the window and start from scratch. And Actually, here's a little funny story, Um, and I'm sure a lot of the sprint car guys that are listening to this are going to laugh. My first year, I got ran over again. The only guy that ran over me, and love him to death, Josh Turner. Uh, (laughs) Tyler Rankin come down to my trailer, and he's looking at my race car as the front end tore out of it, and the torsion bar was sticking straight out. He grabbed a hold of it and couldn't move it. So, uh, he says, your front end's bent. And I'm like, it ain't bent, it's straight. He got down and looked at it. He says, you're right. And he says, did you put bushings in it? And I said, yeah, I put brand new plastic ones in it. He says, okay, well, did you ream them? And the look that I gave him when I said ream them, he's like, I'm going to come over tomorrow and show you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I beat my torsion bars in with a hammer my first season. <laughs> I had no absolute idea what I was doing. I was going sprint car racing and see where I was at. I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for Tyler. Tyler's taught me a lot about being a sprint car driver, not only as a sprint car driver, as a uh, as a human being and, and an upstanding person. You know, uh, I'm six, seven months sober now. Uh, That that wasn't a very easy step for me to take. Tyler is one of the the biggest helps in my life for doing that, and I can't thank him more than anyone because he is very responsible for the position
1: I'm in today. Well, man, it's been really cool to watch you you take this on and uh, get that first feature win, man. When I heard that, somebody told me, they said, hey, Logan won the feature at Butler on Saturday. I said, what? (laughs) You know, I thought, that is awesome. And, uh, you know, so congratulations to you. Congratulations, by the way, on the sobriety. We won't let that go uh, unnoticed either. So, man, nicely done. Way to get into victory lane. Congratulations and you know, I'm kind of with Rich. I think at some point now, you know, you've been traveling with the Great Lake Super Sprints. Uh, you know, you have some work to do there. I think that's honest. Everybody can, uh, you know, talk about that. But you've got Butler figured out, and now I think you're on the radar with, with Josh Turner and, uh, you know, with Jason Blonde and all those people who are going to Victory Lane this season. I think now you got to watch Logan Easterday in that 87 car. So congratulations, man. Looking forward to seeing you go to Victory Lane more.
3: I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, I. And, you know, too, uh, I, I think next year that is going to be our, our our big focus is going to be kind of the GLS deal and stuff like that. This year we're uh, towards the end of the season here, and I think it's going to be kind of a, a battle fest for the point towards the end. Josh, he's got to be perfect, and i got to be perfect as well.
1: Uh, you got an opportunity to uh, pick up another track championship. That's right. We didn't even really talk about that.
3: Yeah, we're sitting in second right now. I'm not really focusing on the points. I'm just going to the racetrack and running the race car. That's all I really can do. Um, but, yeah, we're we're right there. We're we're real close, most definitely.
1: All right, Logan, man. Well, hey, congratulations. Good luck down the road, and uh, we'll see you at a racetrack again soon, man.
3: All right. I appreciate it. Thank you very
1: much. Well, what a pleasure to catch up with Logan, and, uh, you know, again, I'm – we mentioned it, Rich. We've talked about the Great Lake Super Sprints, how there's six to ten guys that could win at any time. And you kind of wanted Logan to talk about this. He's got the monkey off his back. He's proven to himself and his team he can win a Sprint car race. Now, as I said, you gotta get good with the with the best, right? So now you're good with the people who are good. Now you got to get better with the people who are the best at this, and that's the Great Lakes Super Sprints. These cats go out here every night and wage war on one another, and uh, I don't think it'll be too long before we see Logan Easterday
2: getting competitive with those guys too. Yeah, and, it, and I wasn't trying to tell him he needs to go to racetracks and get cocky and say, I'm going to win tonight, but you have to be able to unload and say, every night you unload, say, we can win. we got a if chance. We, we have a chance if we do everything right on our end. We have a chance to win. And you got to get to that point. Absolutely. You can't, you can't continue to show up at the racetrack and saying, well, if this star aligns and the moon st- is over here, maybe we can win if everything falls into place. Uh, that That's a rough way to go racing every single week.
1: Yeah, the, but, uh, the, the prom queen has to do her makeup before she can beca- become <laughs> prom queen. She can't just show up and be happy to be there, right? Exactly. So, uh,
2: no, I I think I think they just need to show up to racetracks and and say, you know what, we have the car to win. We have the driver that can win. Now it's up to us to to do our work at the racetrack and have our driver do his job and uh, see if it all pays
1: off at the end. Yeah, man. Well, uh, let's talk about somebody else who has been struggling to find his way to victory lane in the last uh, couple of, man, I want to say couple of weeks. But feels like it's been a little bit more than that. And uh, the monkey's off. This guy's back, too. Yeah, I'm
2: sure he feels good about it. 50 laps and $2,500 was on the line for the Wheeler Trucking Friday Night Thunder Modifieds, uh, as well as uh, the overall championship at the Birch Run Speedway on Friday night. And it would be Nick Clemens and Scott Lamp, the second leading the field to green. Clemens grabbed the early advantage over Lamp. The caution waved on lap four when Luke War- Warher spun, uh, sending Trevor Barry to the tail. Uh, Clemens took the inside on the restart, but Lamp used the momentum him on the high side to pick up the race lead. On lap 16, Dave Christensen got into the backstretch wall, racing on the high side of Robbie Johnson, and slid down the track right into the path of Kyle Hayden, forcing the 39 and the 22 to the pits, and they would be done for the night. On the restart, Lamp powered ahead while David McManus moved up to third. The top three in the points were all nose to tail, and McManus would get by Clemens for second. At the halfway point, uh, Blake Rowe would get to the inside of Clemens to set up a side-by-side battle that would last until sixth place. Nick Lakota's motor expired, coming to complete lap 43. Lamp took the inside once again with McManus on his outside. Lamp grabbed the lead on the restart and held on to collect the biggest win of his career. McManus finished second and claimed the title, Of the wheeler trucking friday night thunder champion uh as he held off donnie madison jr blake rowe and nick clemens and zach uh, on the phone lines now the guy that was able to take david mcmanus down for probably one of the very few times here in 2022 scotty lamp second welcome to horsepower happenings
0: thank you guys for having me
2: man uh congratulations And I think uh, normally on on any, on a given night, when you're running up against David McManus uh, beating him is a win in itself, but uh, you were able to take the win in that thunder series. Pretty cool deal.
0: Yeah, it was, man. Uh, We've been, we've been struggling all year. We've been trying to find speed, but we knew we had race speed. And uh, when it came down to 25 laps plus in a race, you could see it on any video. It was just the speed was there. We were gone. It was just nothing could have worked out better.
2: Did it help? Uh, you know, we always talk about, you know, guys that start, you know, on the point and, and it makes it a little bit easier, but on the front row, um, obviously you guys know that going into the race, um, were you able to set your car up for that and really be able to get it out there rolling?
0: Honestly, honestly, we, we didn't change much, um, compared to what we would have ran if we would have started fifth, fifth on back. I mean, uh, even when you're starting second, you're still starting second to guys like Nick Clemens. They've been racing for 20-plus years. Nobody's a slouch. you uh got to give it everything you got, so you got to have your car set up, whether you're going to be in the lead or you're going to be back in fifth, because you, if you're in the lead, you can go back to fifth pretty quick if uh, you make one mistake. So we went with what we've been doing all year. We practiced hard uh, Friday, and thankfully we got it right for the race
2: when you're when you're starting out front and you got got like you said guys like Nick, uh Blake Rowe, um you know, David McManus, Trevor Berry back there, do you, I mean are, when at when you first start out are you thinking man, I'm just going to be a sitting duck here before too long?
0: Uh really you you have a good feel going into the race. You you either know what you got or you're throwing something at it. Normally if you're throwing something at it, you're uh you, you do feel that sense of uh I'm a sitting, sitting ducked, but we, we've been pretty confident in the long-run capabilities of that car to where I was like all I have to do is get out front, get to jump on Nick, just go for it, and see if they can catch me.
1: Well, and you've you know I'm sure you've been watching just like everybody else, and when you see uh, you know him and and David, and you kind of see how they dominate uh, you know throughout the season. Are you looking at this, you know, you just said all i got to do is get out in front, but it can't be that simple, Scotty. You have to, uh, you know, kind of have to know, like, these drivers have weaknesses, you know, their car gets tight here or or they fade at this point in the race. I mean, do you have notes like that, or, or is it just basic race strategy to try to keep these guys who've been dominating all season uh, behind you here at the end?
0: Uh, it's a little bit of both. I mean, um, this season has changed so much with uh, people trying new things, just trying to find speed kind of split up the field um as I said we know our car has been good long run but people like Blake and David they fire off insane where in the first 10 laps they're just moving and their car is hooked up but I've noticed just from watching even at the hot shoe or wherever it might be that there's a big show that it's it's noticeable that these guys are either getting loose or they're getting tight but their fall off has just been more extreme this year and anybody can see that from the stands but from prior knowledge, I know um, how I ended up winning that race was other than if the race was to go green, there was no chance of getting caught. But with the yellow flag, I, I used to have the same exact setup as David McManus. And I know that car can't fire off as good as mine can <laughs> off the line. So so it's a little bit of prior knowledge. It's a, You, you kind of do your homework, but most of it just comes to you. All you got to do is watch.
1: Man, uh, that right there has got to be something to be in that race car. You're looking at the car up front or behind you, or, you know, who's behind you and you're going, Psh, that car ain't got nothing. <laughs> I just, I know, I know it ain't going to be able to run with me. Um, how do you build off of that? You know, we talk about it a lot in our sport, Rich, that fine line between confident and cocky and uh, Scotty, you got to kind of walk that a little bit right there. When you know that you got a car that can win this race, and you know where other people are going to struggle, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, there, there's definitely a fine line there, but I'm definitely not going to try to come up on the cocky side. It's been, it was two years and 11 months. I counted down uh, from my last win and that was only my second win in this field. So I definitely can't come off as cocky quite yet. So.
2: Scotty, what's it, you know, you mentioned it's been a while, right? And, and, you know, we had you on the show when you, when you went down South to uh, new Smyrna and ran, um, what's it like? I mean, what does it start to, when you, when you go so long, when you know you can win races, you have won races, um, does it get to you after a while and does it affect your confidence?
0: It really does. It does. After a while, um, there, I was thinking, uh, maybe, maybe it's just experience, maybe not, but I, shoot, I'm going into my fifth, maybe sixth. I don't know. I've lost track. I know a lot (laughs) of people got many, many years on me, but, um, something like that years of racing and, like I I don't know if I if I'm getting any better if I'm getting worse or what's going on but then you got to think of the bigger picture and you you look into the field like last Friday night and you got people like Blake Rowe early 20s he's just been dominant everywhere you got people Blake uh, David McManus he's been running everywhere for longer than I've been alive and he's just dominant and there's multiple of those there, there's five or six guys in that field every single week that I will race against that can win that race. And you, you just got to keep that to yourself and just know that everybody's here for the same goal. And there's a lot of people that have the exact same chances as you do. So,
2: yeah. You know, you talked, you, you, you talked about, it's been a couple of years and it almost sounds like it's about the time that these modifieds in the state of Michigan went to slick tires. Um, I know they used to run on treaded tires for the longest time. Did that make a difference to you? And what did it take for you to get used to those slicks?
0: Honestly, there, there isn't a huge bit of difference, um, I, I know that some people say that the slicks last longer, blah, blah, blah. The D800 sucked. The treaded tires were terrible. I think <laughs> don't this is don't sugar, in the right don't, direction. Don't sugarcoat <laughs>
1: it for us, Scotty. Just, uh, you know, come right at it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they they were. They were terrible. But the, I think these F70s uh, are a step in the right direction. But um, there's, not, there's not a huge difference.
1: I got to ask you, uh, and, and this, I'm going to go ahead and say it right now, for the Scott Lamp fans out there i'm gonna warn you right now this is an ignorant question so bear with me but scott what happened to the number two uh when i started doing my research and was kind of looking at things i was uh, a little surprised at the look of this race car i like it um and the number (laughs) of this race car what uh what was with the change Uh, what did i miss
0: so actually uh the 16 car the very uh, i think it's a very great looking car but it'll never win a uh prettiest looking car award at any racetrack because people like those busy looking cars but um the 16 car there's actually two of them uh they are both owned by robert oaks or bob oaks if you know him um he is from west branch michigan and he gave us a call at uh probably two years ago now around this time and asked me to drive his car for him and he maintains that he does everything up there by himself and i can't thank him enough because he just works so hard at it, um, all by himself. And I try to get up there when I can, but he's two hours away. So when he came with us, uh, he came to us with the car. We we had no reason to have him modified. And he he's owned previous cars. The 18 car Andy has um, not owned, but set up, and he has the 15 car of Justin Nofsinger. And there's something about him. I, I'm sure he's told me, but his number is the 16, and that's what he wanted to make it. So if he's going to do all that work, I'll let him put the number on it and make it look however he wants.
1: What's it been like?
0: uh, Oops, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say again that he lets me drive it for no expense to us, so I uh, really appreciate him for that.
1: What's it been like over these last, uh, you know, this year and this season and, uh, you know, it sounds like the season before, uh, what's it been like for you to be a hired gun and, and, you know, to kind of get some of the pressure off the family and drive somebody else's equipment i remember when i was racing you know that was always the the pipe dream was to show up with your gear bag and and uh, you know stroll into the pits and jump in the race car and go uh what's it been like for you to be a hired gun
0: uh, i mean it's it's been great but i mean there's times where you want to work on your own stuff there's there's everybody does everything differently so it's uh, been an adjustment. Um, me personally, I like being out in the shop. I like working on my own stuff. And when it's fast, you you pride yourself on it. But um, with him doing all that work and me just having to show up to the track with my helmet and race gear, uh, it's, it's just been an experience. Um, it, it really uh, gets you to adjust um, to different things, different feels, because my two-car compared to this car um, that I'm driving for Bob, it is just a hundred percent different. So it, it's been an experience. Um, I, I can't say it's better or worse, but the the stress and less work is um, just out of this world difference and it's something that's dying around here. Um, this with how expensive everything is getting. So it's, it's hard to come by nowadays.
2: Scotty, talk to me about this modified class, whether you're running, um... You know, up in the Whittemore area, or you're running it at, uh, at Birch Run, or over at Corrigan Oil. You know, all 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 places that that have weekly modified series. Um, it seems to me like modifieds is very strong in the state of Michigan.
0: Oh, it's it's unbelievable. If you don't think modifieds is the biggest class, biggest most competitive class in the state of Michigan, I don't. I don't know what you're thinking because you can go anywhere. Like you said, you named a couple tracks there. You can go anywhere every single week and you will have a stout field you will have heavy hitters at every single race track wherever you're at so that it's just it's unbelievable how the modified does have grown and how many people that you get but we're all under a blanket it's just unbelievable
1: well and, and rich you mentioned speed weeks uh us talking to him for that and and you know i've said it before and i'll say it again modifieds are one of my favorite divisions of racing on pavement period right alongside template late models and that's my question is if you scroll back through your timeline on social media uh (laughs) back when snow was on the ground you had a template car loaded up you went south wrecked that thing um is that still in the cards at all for you guys to do any template racing at all
0: so that car is actually sitting in my shop and uh I kind of told my dad, take a step away from it. Don't go into the garage. I'm doing it. (laughs) Don't don't even look at it, dad.
1: Don't even look (laughs) at it.
0: (laughs) So I tore it all down and we are actually, I just finished it up probably a week ago. Um, It's ready to go again, ready to hit the track for uh, testing. We found our issues from down in uh, New Smyrna there. There's uh, some things wrong that we didn't necessarily find or have time to find down there. So um, I'm looking to get, get out, uh, probably the virtual speedway or anywhere that they let me bring it, um, just for one day and get out onto the track, test it, try a bunch of different things, throw it and throw at it and hopefully, uh, find some speed. And that'll be kind of my, uh, my little thing I got going on.
1: Well, uh, you know, it's, it's funny sometimes how that works out. You mentioned that and you kind of wonder, uh, what the future holds for that because, You know, you mentioned a little bit of a drought in modified racing, but you're competitive. You're always there. And, uh, you know, I think the same thing could come come to flourish for you for that template car, too. Uh, And it sounds like modified racing is where you would prefer to be. Am I wrong on that assumption?
0: So it's tough because of Michigan weather. You only get so long in Michigan to race. And, of course, modified is where you want to be this time of year. It's like I said previously, it's the most competitive class in the state. but I feel like obviously, as the temp as racing grows, or even if it's not growing, I don't know. Um, the template late model is uh, where, whether it be a pro or a super, you can go anywhere in this country at any time of the year and you can find a big, big race somewhere and uh, for big money. And that's eventually where I want to go. But that can be years down the road, that can be whenever. Um, I have no timeline on it, but that modified will always be my primary race car until well who knows something could unfold something could work out um kind of like this deal with bob who knows what the future has but right now i'm content and uh i'm gonna try out this pro lay model on the side
2: scotty we talk about the season winding down and this is usually the time of year uh where the big money races start popping up what do you got on your schedule to finish off the 2022 season
0: uh so uh this weekend we are um actually taking off. Um but then the following weekend Bob is preparing our second car, our newest car for Winchester for the Midwest Modified Tour race. And after that I believe we are back to Burt's Run and that'll be it for a while until we go down to Jennerstown, Pennsylvania also with the Midwest Modified Tour and um I, I think after that, we go back to Winchester one more time. So I think four races is all we have left um, for the Modified.
1: Wow. And how quickly it winds down, right, man? That's uh, <laughs> That makes me sad to hear you say that, uh, that there's only four races left for that thing up here.
0: Yes, it's it's very upsetting, especially with how much we've gotten to race this year. It hasn't been very much, but it's it sure has been fun.
1: Scotty Lamp uh, or Scott Lamp II, for those of you who like to keep official records. Uh, Man, (laughs) congratulations on the win over the weekend. I know it's a huge morale boost. And what a time of year, as Rich said, what a time of year to remind yourself that you're capable of going to victory lane because, as you said, and as we just mentioned, big races now coming up to end the season. Uh, It would be nice to line the pocketbook before you take that uh, template car out to find some other races. So good luck uh, the rest of the way. Hopefully we see you in victory lane again soon.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you very much.
1: Well, we've already talked to some guys who have gone to Victory Lane, Rich, and uh, now it's our pleasure to talk about some other guys who got it done over the weekend as well. Friday night, Winston Speedway, Dirt Car UMP Late Models, Donamar Coolier. We haven't mentioned his name a whole lot this season, but he goes to Victory Lane Friday night with the uh, Dirt Car UMP Late Models at Winston. And then also Friday night, over on the other side of the state, how about Tri-City Motor Speedway, and Ryan Lanford, there's a kid who's been having a really—I can't call him a kid. There's a guy who's been having a really great season, Rich. Um, this is a name that we haven't hadn't said much in the last couple of years. 2022, Ryan Lanford's year goes back to Victory Lane in the Late Model Division there at Tri City. Great job.
2: Yep. And if we we'll, we'll go back to Birch Run, man. Matt Kemp made another trip to Zoc Taco Bell's. Yes, he did. Uh, And I know which one he went to because we know where it's at. Picking up the MCR Dwarf Card win on Friday night at Bertrand Speedway. And at the Berlin Raceway on Saturday, double features, 35-lap twin super late model features, Kyle Crump, and surprise, Evan Schotko pulls off another win at Berlin.
1: I want to say, caps off to Evan. He put a post up on his uh, Facebook page about taking some of that $30,000 and buying school supplies for their back-to-school night. That was pretty cool to see evan uh, kind of giving back to the community like that nicely done hey uh i mentioned this at the top of the show rich what in the heck has happened to our summer racetracks every one of them i go to talking about
2: season championship night how can it be how can it be you know i don't know but it, you know it's it seems like you know if we've been thinking it, let's go ahead and reminisce back it seems like mother nature has played a big part of the summer yeah but but really to be honest um I don't know if it's been that bad or promoters have just been protecting themselves and and not wanting to take a chance when the, when the forecast looks gloomy. But uh, Saturday was the first race at Flat Rock that we've got rained out. Can't postponed all year long. Is that right? Yeah, we we were, we were going for green, white checker. I'm telling you, it it was a, and just couldn't get through. So we got, uh, so coming up, let's go by a, a couple of these that we got coming up anyway. So this Friday, August 26th, Corrigan Oil Speedway will crown five champions on Friday night. Outlaws, uh, Modifieds, Pure Stocks, Outlaw Front Wheel Drive, and Pony Stock Class all will crown 2022 champions on Friday. Gates open at 5 p.m. at Corrigan Oil Racing at 7 p.m. And then uh, Winston Speedway, Zach, UMP late models, prolate Street Stocks, Cybers, Warriors, Young Guns, Mini Wedges, $1,500 to win for the late models, $1,000 to win for the Prolates, $600 to win for Modifieds, Gates open at 5 p.m. If you like the little cars, mini wedges start at 715. The big cars start at 745.
1: And then, Rich, as we continue on through the weekend, we move to Saturday. And uh, you mentioned it, Flat Rock Speedway. You guys are going to have championship night on Saturday.
2: Yeah, they're going to have championship night. I'll tell you about that in just oh, a minute. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. All I'll, I'll super late models, street stocks, figure eights, and a 250 lap Enduro is on tap at Flat Rock. Uh, gates open at 4 p.m. A special 6 p.m. start. Do not get confused. Flat Rock races at 7 o'clock. A special 6 p.m. start this Saturday. And then at Berlin Raceway, the George Keene Memorial, the Reveal the Hammer Outlaw Super Late Model Series, 60 laps, $3,500 to win. Sportsman and four cylinders are also in action. Gates open at 4 p.m. in Marne, racing at 6.30.
1: And, by the way, i got to tell you, I love the George Keene Memorial, Uh, Rich. We had a chance to work with uh, George with the American ethanol tours when they went there um, during the Berlin goes dirt days. And so uh, really cool to see uh, him getting a Memorial race there. Of course, sad, the circumstances Uh, Thursday or Thursday, still Saturday, Thunderbird raceway fan appreciation night. Check this out. $8 ahead to get through the gates at Thunderbird raceway. They'll have pro late models, IMCA modifies, factory stocks, cyber stocks, warriors, and mini wedges, Gates at 4, racing at 6 p.m., and then you have an opportunity to go racing on a Sunday this week with the Galesburg Speedway Smitty Memorial 100, $5,095 to win for template late models, also $1,200 to win for street stocks. Racing begins at Galesburg at 6.45 p.m. So, what a busy weekend.
2: Yeah, you guys are going to have some fun because I am on a jet plane Friday. Uh, Jumping on the jet airliner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My daughter's getting married Saturday in Las Vegas, Nevada. So,
1: <laughs> oh man, yeah, oh boy, yeah, yeah. You know how
2: tough that's going to be on me, right? uh-huh. on me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Gambling and drinking. What more could go rich's oh, way? What, what
2: could go wrong? I'll, yeah. I'm going to keep your phone number handy, Zach, just in case <laughs> I need it. But uh, yeah, head out, uh, head out on Friday. Come back on Monday. Just make a long weekend of it. But I'll miss Championship Night at Flat Rock, and uh, I wish all the other events that we have this weekend uh, that are having championship events. Good luck to everybody. It, uh, it just worked out that way. Sometimes you got to, you know, I, I know she, I, I asked her, I said, you know, it's race season. I don't think she cared a whole lot <laughs> when, plan, when planning her wedding.
1: So. Well, uh, you know what? When daughter says uh, you got some responsibility, you better just take it up on it. And it's ironic, too, because uh, not only will you be at a wedding, uh, but I'll also be at a wedding on Saturday. So I won't, neither of us will be taking in any racing Saturday night. So we're going to have to lean heavy on our additional correspondence for Horsepower Happenings to tell
2: us what happened next weekend. I was trying to figure out a way. I said, "Can we? Can you FaceTime me, and we'll walk down the phone? <laughs> I'll be on the phone walking with her." She says, "Dad." I said, "All right, I got you. I, I know what you mean." Yeah, right. I'll
1: be there. No problem. <laughs> well no. Congratulations to her, man. Have a safe
2: trip. Uh, will you be back in time for us to do a show on Monday? Hopefully. Yes, my. I that was part of the plan. So my. My uh, flight lands here at Detroit Metro at 1235 in the afternoon. Perfect. So Perfect. I have all afternoon to get ready to
1: see you again Monday night. Love it. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Horsepower Happenings. Thanks so much to Logan Easterday for joining us. Of course, Scotty Lamp the II here as well, Max Stambaugh, or rather Brad Lamberson for letting us catch up with him down in Victory Lane, and uh, to all the drivers who chat with us throughout the weekend and throughout the week, thank you to all of you, and to the fans who tune in each and every week to Horsepower Happenings. We'll talk to you same time, same place next week right here on Horsepower Happenings.
0: You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on
1: past episodes by logging on to HorsepowerHappenings.com, and be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.